You're listening to the DolphinsTalk.com Podcast Network. Dolphin fans, and welcome to the same old Dolphin Show, sponsored by BetUS, part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. I'm Josh Katzker, and with me today and every day is my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, say hello to the people. Hello to the people. Brain, when the Dolphins were sitting there at one and seven, did you imagine that we'd be going into the bye week on a five game winning streak? No, because of the Ravens games sandwiched in there. Uh, but once they beat the Ravens, it was all there for the taking. And you just kind of had that feeling. Here we go. This is the, this is the run. This is where they're going to get people excited. And here we are. We're getting a little bit excited. This, they're doing exactly the thing that you said they would do. And I remember this was probably shortly after the Jaguars or Falcons game. You said, boy, this team is losing all of these games and is still going to go on to beat all of these bad teams in the soft part of their schedule right in the middle. And they're going to make people think that, hey, this team can make a playoff run. And here we are. We've won five straight. And we're thinking, hey, maybe this team can make a playoff run. Yeah, and, and maybe and that's they can. where we're at. And it's it, look, the it's it's reality at this point. Now it's it's still very it's still a very slim chance that it's going to happen because it still necessitates the Dolphins winning out above all else, which things are going to get a lot more difficult after the Jets game. Uh so there's going to be a lot of opportunities for them to slip up and they've got no margin for error. And we've talked about it where, you know, even if they win out, they still need some help uh, to get in. Winning out doesn't guarantee them anything. And so it's it's still tough sledding. I still don't believe that this team is going to make the playoffs. I think they screwed themselves out of the playoffs. And I think in vintage same old Dolphins fashion, we're going to look back at the end of the season and we're going to say, We're going to look at like one game, maybe two games and say that was a really dumb loss. And that's the reason why we're not in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, and there's a couple of those that you can look at. And then it's going to be the kind of person that you are is going to determine which game you look at it. If you're the kind of person that likes to blame the refs, you'll look at the Raiders game. If you're the kind of person that, you know. If you're the kind of person that is like, gosh, this team, you know, wants to blame the coach, you'll look at the Jacksonville game. You'll look at, you know, and it's just that's going to be how you determine it. But. We're not quite there yet. Long way to go. Listen, we're going to talk about the playoff chances today just because we're getting into the bye week and this is as good an opportunity as any. So we're going to take a look at the playoff picture here later in the show. But first, we're going to start off by talking about the 22-9 to victory 
over the Giants. I did predict that Graham Gano would kick four field goals in this game for the Giants. He attempted four field goals. He only made three of them, but I'm proud of that prediction holding up. But again, this was the story of the Dolphins' defense dominating the day as they have so many times before. But before we go any further, a reminder that life is back on sports bettors and BetUS as all your NBA, NHL, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lines up for their 27th year and live betting on all of it. Log in to BetUS.com or call 1-800-792-3887. That's 879-BETUS. BetUS for 125% bonuses with the promo code DOLPHINSTALK. Customer service pros are ready to get your phone, social, and online sports betting kickoff started now. Play with the proven mainstay in the industry, BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS.com. Brain? The Miami Dolphins have won their fifth straight game, a 22-9 win over the New York Giants. As I mentioned, this was the game where the defense really showed up and came to play, and the defense dominated the day. Again, uh, they, they held the New York Giants to very little production at all. Uh, Mike Glennon uh, ended ended the day 23 of 44. He was actually strangely efficient there for a little while, but ended up 23 of 44 for 159 yards, no touchdowns, did throw one interception, was sacked three times, including twice by Jalen Phillips, who continues to have his just just play completely out of his mind. And then they held the Giants to only seven, uh, 17 rushes, only 91 yards. Again, this was the Miami Dolphins defense getting the job done. Yeah, and that's that's the key, and that's been really the key to this whole turnaround. We could talk about, you know, the play of Tua. We could talk about, you know, coaching and, and Brian Flores taking over the, the play calling on the defense. I mean, he says that he's not, but he quite obviously is. Um taking over the the duties as play caller on the defensive side of the ball, but it's the defense in general. It's the defensive players playing better um, that has really changed this turnaround. Because if you remember at the beginning of the season, I mean, this team could not get off the field on third down, even when it was third and 12, third and 15, this team could not get off the field. And, you know, coming into this season, any prediction that you had that involved the Dolphins being a playoff team It's centered around the idea that this was going to be a very, at the very least, a very good defense, a defense that was only going to build off of what they did last year and then, you know, add on the the new talent that was brought in through the draft and take another step. And the the fact is, is they regressed Um, and. Look, the offense was bad and you could look at it and say, hey, if the offense was better, they might have won a couple of games that they lost early in the season. But the fact is, is that the offense was always going to be a question mark coming into this season. The offensive line was still shaky. Nobody knew what to, nobody knew if the offensive line was going to be better. We certainly had our hopes, but we didn't really know. And there was going to be a legitimate chance that in spite of the quote unquote remade uh, wide receiver room, that the offense was still going to regress because you were bringing in Tua to start the entire season and he would not necessarily play at the caliber that Ryan Fitzpatrick was playing at for 
you know, the first part of last season and then, you know, ended up coming in in relief and winning us uh, a big game as the offense was sputtering down the stretch with Tua. So it shouldn't have been this huge shock that the offense was went through growing, growing pains. The big shock was that the defense didn't just regress, but was playing at like the bottom five in the league for the first two months of the season. And that was the reason that this team got off to such a bad start. Obviously, multiple reasons, but that's the biggest reason. And since they have turned it around, it's not like the offense has been putting up all world numbers. Yes, Tua has been playing better. He's been more efficient. He's cleaned up the mistakes. But the biggest thing is that the defense is playing the way that it played last season, where over the last five games in this winning streak, the Dolphins are giving up the fewest points in the entire NFL. And that's where we were at last year. That's how the Dolphins were winning these football games. The recipe was defense, you know, be be in control of the game, create turnovers, keep the scoring to a minimum, and then the offense just has to do enough. And that's been the case over this winning streak. It's not like the offense, look, last week aside with scoring 30 points, albeit they got a lot of help from defense and special teams, the The fact is, is that they're still not putting up, uh, they're putting up about as many points over the last five weeks as they did the rest of the season. The only difference is, is that they're not giving up as many points, and that's why they're winning football games now. Yeah, that's a big, big difference here. And wh- I want to bring up a point that was made on YouTube here by uh, Donimus Robs. And by the way, if you're not subscribed to the Dolphins Talk YouTube channel, now is the time to do it. Go to YouTube, subscribe to the Dolphins Talk YouTube channel, and uh, like this video. Turn on the notification bell so that every time we go live, you get you get uh, a notification so you never miss an episode of the Dolphins Talk podcast or the same old Dolphins show. But uh, he says uh, the offensive line regressing was the death note of this season. And, and I think it's an interesting point that obviously the Dolphins banked on the young offensive linemen that they had brought in and did not supplement them with any kind of veteran talent. So that was a huge thing. But I don't know that this offensive line really regressed that much as much as it just did not improve at all. And I I guess you could say that it regressed somewhat, but I mean, there wasn't, it didn't have very far to go as far as regressing backwards. It, It was not a very good offensive line and the team sort of gambled that it was going to turn it around and really become something special. And it, it, it never really did. And so I mean, there's a number of things that you can say, and when the season is all said and done, we'll sit and we'll do the autopsy of the year and try to figure out where could things have been better, and and there are a number of problems, and the offensive line is absolutely a huge factor, and that the fact of the matter is the Dolphins are running the offense that they are running right now because the offensive line can't give, can't protect the quarterback at all. But, but well, to come I back think to that's what, part of it. I think they're also running the offense that they're running right now because it plays to the strengths of their quarterback. Yeah, I, I would say that that's fair. I would say that that's fair and that is accurate. But, and but I think part of part of the this offense is it started with this is what Tua is. This is who he is, and this is what he's capable of doing. And as the season goes on, the idea is the offensive line is playing well, and then you can start to implement some other things and put in some other aspects of the offense and sort of expand it. But what has become clear is that 
there's nothing that they can do with this offense. And and the offensive line being struggling the way that it has, it's okay with the RPO concept that they like to run because Tua is able to get rid of the ball quickly and get through that anyway. But that's the biggest, the, the big concern going forward is whether they will be able to strength. I mean, at least there's a number of concerns on offense, but among the big ones are, will this offensive line improve to the point that, they can do something other than just run that RPO style attack and do some more sort of traditional drop back type plays to, you know, mix things up on offense because otherwise the Dolphins offense is going to get figured out very quickly. Right now, a lot of the dinks and the dunks and the efficient short passing game that the Dolphins are doing, moving the ball methodically down the field, it does have its advantages and teams know that the Dolphins are going to throw short and, they're, you know, somewhat struggling to stop it. That is not always going to be the case. Eventually, they're going to catch on and the Dolphins are going to need to be able to do something else. So as we look ahead to next year, that is something that the Dolphins will need to address. But for now, for this week, the offense with the slow, methodical, dink and dunk approach largely was was successful. It wasn't pretty at was times. Was it though? In this- was it? Well, I mean, look at look at the underlying numbers again at the end of the day. This, and this was not one of Tua's best games as quarterback, but he threw 30 of 41 for 244 yards and a couple of touchdowns with a 104.1 passer rating. He had so, less than six yards uh, per attempt. How many drives did the Dolphins have? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Eleven drives, not including the the kneel down at the end of the, at the end of the game. And they scored on four of them. They did miss a field goal, but the, even the missed field goal drive was four plays for four yards. I mean, this was not a banner performance by the offense by any stretch. Uh, this w- they got, they were benefited by having more possessions than they would normally have because the defense got them the ball. You want to play, you want to play that whole game where people give the defense a pass early in the season because they say the offense was so bad that eventually the defense was going to break. Well, that works for the other team too. If the other team can't uh, make any any headway on the offensive side of the ball, then at some point their defense is going to crack a little bit. And also, you get enough opportunities, you get 11 drives, you're eventually going to put something together. Um I thought the offense was just whatever in this game. I I don't even I thought that for the majority of the game I thought they were actually below average. And the only the only pass that I would give them is that the Giants have a pretty good defense. But I mean, we had people, look, Mike uh from Dolphins Talk, you know, the president of the network from Dolphins Talk Daily uh, he, he tweeted out in, somewhere in the third quarter that this was the worst offensive performance he'd seen the, from the Dolphins all season. I didn't buy it at that point. I, I thought it was a bad offensive performance at that point, but I still would have pointed to us getting shut out at home by Buffalo and scoring only 17 points against a really bad Texans defense. But this was right up there with them. It was not a good performance by the offense. They just managed to eventually get enough points because the Giants couldn't do anything on the offensive side of the ball. So the Dolphins kept getting, you know, getting shorter fields and getting more opportunities and putting points up. 
Yeah, well, the Dolphins also were dropping quite a few passes in this game as well, which is something that that ate into their ability to move the ball, which is a pretty uncharacteristic from this team. But that's kind of what this that's kind of what this offense is, right? It's that if it's not operating at full capacity and you know everybody is making the play every single time, then it 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 sputters and stops. And that's kind of what happened. But you you brain, you teased something out on on Twitter, uh, which was that you wanted to give your grade for Tua and his performance, right? Because I guess, you know, if we're going to talk about the Dolphins' offense, we might as well talk about about Tua. We might as well start it there because that always seems to be the conversation. This is the guy who's under the microscope. And, and you know, some, I, I think it is fair to say to some extent that this is a guy who is still playing for his job in a lot of ways, whether rightly or wrongly, what rightly or wrongly, He's playing for his job because this, you know, organization doesn't seem to have full faith in him yet. So, Brain, you you said you didn't want to talk about it on Twitter, so you're talking about it instead on the podcast. And you directed people to us. So here they are. They're 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 watching, they're listening, they want to know what was your grade for Tuatunga Vailoa on Sunday against the Giants. So for the for the majority of the game, I thought it was he was playing at like a B level, and then early in the second half, I thought it kind of went down to a B minus. But I also kind of went back and looked at at you know a, a few drops that I thought were key that really, uh, you know, killed some drives, and that's really not to his fault. There were some plays. I mean, there was a throw to Waddle uh, that if Waddle makes the catch on the little quick slant. He has a bunch of green in front of him. He's he hit him in stride, full speed. I mean, Waddle might have taken that one the distance, and then all of a sudden the numbers look a lot different. But overall, I thought it was a good game by Tua. I thought it was overall. I'm giving it a B plus. Uh, he did everything that you would want him to do, and he didn't make the big mistake. Again, though. And look, this might be the case for Tua as long as he is a quarterback in the NFL. There were just never though, there weren't a lot of wow throws. I mean, I don't know that there were any wow throws in this game. There were a couple of nice ones. I thought the throw where he hit Waddle coming across for about 20 some odd yards, the one where Waddle got hurt with the cramps. Uh, thankfully he came back in the game. The, the throw to Gasecki. Uh, was a pretty good throw and a big moment in the game. I didn't think it was a perfect pass. I thought it was a really, gr- I thought it was a little bit underthrown and it was a great catch by Gasicki, but it was a pretty good throw. Overall, I thought Tua had a pretty good game. Uh, so I'm giving him a B plus, but you also, c- I can't give him an A because of basically what I was talking about before, which is you can't have 11 drives come up with two touchdowns and, and give your quarterback an A. There's just no way that that you can do that. Um, and secondly, look, this play had zero bearing on the entirety of the football game. And really, it had zero bearing in the grade that I gave to it. But to me, it's one of the lasting impressions that came out of this game for me was the Dolphins had a free play. Giants jump off sides and Jalen Waddle has man coverage on the outside. Tua realizes it's a free play, good on him, throws the ball downfield. Now, in this situation, you've got literally nothing to lose and you got man coverage. 
you got to let it all hang out. Tua gave it all the juice that he could, and the ball hung up there so bad to the point where Jalen Waddle had to come to a dead stop, wait for the ball, and then go up for a 50-50 jump ball. Ball falls incomplete. doesn't really matter because at the end of the day, it was a free play. The defense was offsides. But that throw, that is the issue with Tua because you've got this great weapon in Jalen Waddle, and we, we bemoan the fact that how are we only giving Jalen Waddle the ball with these, you know, targets of five yards and in? Why, why aren't we throwing the ball downfield? Well, that throw is the reason because you got man coverage. You should be able to air it out and, and let Waddle beat his man and run under that football to, for, for the catch because you, you, that's why you drafted him. And I don't know that Tua best utilizes all of Waddle's strengths. Now you can use Waddle's strengths in the, you know, in space and you can find ways to, to get him the ball in space. And the fact that Tua is so accurate will allow him to make some things happen after the catch, but you've got to be able to throw the ball downfield and push it downfield sometimes to keep defenses honest. Otherwise, at some point, the good defenses are going to say, beat us, beat us with that throw. We're, we're going to take away the underneath stuff. And that's where Tua is going to have a problem, particularly if we can't protect him or run the football. Um, whereas, you know, watching this game and watching Tua so far in his career, I think he's pretty good. And I think he could potentially be elite in every single area of the quarterback position, except for arm strength. And the fact is, is he's below average in arm strength. And it may be a problem. It, it's You can win with him. No doubt about it. You can win with Tua, but you can't win with Tua as your quarterback if you can't run the ball. He's right. going to need a running, he's going to need a running game because he's not going to carry you with a passing attack that's just going to be dinking and dunking its way down the field. Right. And I, I think that is becoming clear. And that's one of the things that this season is teaching us is that this, this is a guy that has a number, has a lot of skills and a lot of traits that you really want to have in a quarterback. He's starting to take command of the game and you're seeing him out on the field being a leader and exhibiting that sort of those sort of leadership traits that you'd like to see from a quarterback and that's really great. He is he's still struggling a little bit with uh his progressions and going through reads and particularly early in this game I think he was having a hard time identifying some of the stuff that the, the Giants were were giving him defensively, but one of the things that he does show is that when he has that, when he struggles with that early on in games, he is figuring it out pretty quickly and is able to say, okay, this is what I need to do. And he's able to figure it out and move on and figure out how to make the, how to make the game work for him. And so that is, again, something that you want to see in your quarterback. It, that's, that's a good trait for him. And of course, again, this is still a guy that has not played that much in the NFL. So he's going to have a little bit steeper of a learning curve when it comes to that. But again, he's improving in that regard. And I think that is a really good thing. So yeah, it's, it's like you said, if I would venture to say that if Tua, I mean, and again, if Tua hadn't gotten hurt, that's another big factor that is involved when it comes to your evaluation of, of Tua as a quarterback. But if this defense had been playing the way that it's been playing recently, all season long, and, 
you know, two is able to play any more, you know, some of those games that he missed, if he's able to be in there, I, I, I feel pretty confident that if he plays that game against the Raiders, the Dolphins probably get a win there. You might even say that if he plays that game against the Colts, they might get a win there as well. Uh, but at any rate, you can't go back and do that. But it all, again, comes back to the fact that the defense playing at the level that it's playing now was the foundation of last season. And as you said, Brain, when we were all sitting here making our predictions of what this team was going to do this season, how it was going to make a playoff run, it was all predicated on the defense being at or near the level that it was playing at last season. And then the offense taking some kind of step forward in some way, right? And I think... I mean, there were times during the season when Jacoby Brissett was was in at quarterback that the offense actually took a big step back. And I think early in the season, it was fair to say that even with Tua at quarterback, he was not playing at the maybe the level that he had played at for stretches last season. But now he's coming along and he's starting to play better. The offense is, I, I would say, on pace on par with where it was towards the end of last season under Tua you know and it's maybe even a little bit better than that if if so not not hugely better but there is some improvement offensively but again the defense getting back to that level is what has enabled this team in this five game stretch now to put themselves back in the conversation uh for the AFC playoffs and that is a good thing and again Part of this is we got to talk about this too. Is these these twenty twenty one draft class rookies are showing up and playing, particularly those on the defensive side of the ball, because Jalen Phillips, Javon Holland, these guys, these guys are just on fire right now. Liam Eikenberg is having his struggles. Hunter Long got out there and caught a pass in this last game, but. Really, I mean, when you look at Jalen Phillips and you look at Javon Holland, those two picks were home runs. And obviously, Jalen Waddle was a home run, too. Right. And 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 that's big. And truth be told, I mean, look, Eichenberg, I'm still not a fan of that pick. I'm certainly not a fan of us trading up to get him. Uh, but last two games, he's allowed one hurry in each of those games. Now, I think you have to look at those numbers – a little bit differently because of what the Dolphins are doing right now with, uh, you know, stylistically on offense and getting the ball out so quick because, you know, the when people say that the offensive line regressed, I think what they're looking at is, well, we didn't give up as many sacks last year. And that was because the Dolphins had a game plan of getting the ball out extremely quick. And it didn't matter. Like the Dolphins offensive line was just as bad last year uh, as far as the amount of time that it took uh, to allow defenders to get to their quarterback. The difference is, particularly when Jacoby Brissett was in at quarterback, is that they were holding on to the ball a lot longer than they were last season. And so Tua's getting rid of the ball a lot quicker, and so naturally the sack numbers have gone down. But all you got to do is watch the game and realize that, I mean, the, the offensive line is still getting beat on every play. It's just they're doing a better job of of game planning around it. They've kudos to the offensive coordinators uh the last 2 weeks. We've seen I counted I think one or two times last week where they rolled Tua out 
And I think they did it another two or three times in this game. So they're, they're including on the touchdown pass, uh, which was kind of like a, a faux trick play kind of play action end around where they, they, they rolled two out on the bootleg and then he hit, uh, Isaiah Ford for the, for the score. So they're, they're learning a little bit on the job about how to manufacture some time for Tua to throw by getting him out of the pocket. Why it took, 13 weeks for them to figure out that's beyond me but uh look kudos to them they're finally doing some things well um but it's it's still a long way to go uh for the for this offense and this offensive line but but Eichenberg which was my point he's been playing better uh Hunter Long finally got into the game uh good that was good to see so we'll see what comes of this draft class um, but it's a good sign. It's looking really good right now for those top three picks. It looks like they've hit on all of them, but look, it's also really early because last year at this time of the season, granted he was a fourth round pick, but at this time last season, everybody was saying, Hey, Solomon Kindley is going to be a guard on this team for the next 10 years. And now where is he? Yeah. Right. <laughs> so let's let's pump the brakes a little bit on we've got three Pro Bowl uh, picks and we hit on all of our picks because it looks good right now, but there's a long way to go. Absolutely. Absolutely. You, you don't you don't judge a player's career based on his first year out of school, no matter how good or bad it is. But just to put a button on the Tua conversation, Cam Wolf tweeted out yesterday, Tua Tagovailoa. His stats in three and a half games he's played since returning from his finger injury. And, uh, and of course, also the coinciding passing of the trade deadline. He's thrown 92 of 118 for 905 yards, five touchdowns, one interception, and a 4-0 record. Not eye-popping stats, but they're solid stats, which indicate that if you've got a quarterback who is a solid quarterback and you can build a dominating kind of defense that is a formula for success obviously that's not there are more ingredients needed such as an offensive line and a running game and maybe a, some better wide receivers but that that's pretty solid performance from the quarterback so a pretty good situation there brain uh anything else that you want to talk about in this giants game jason sanders missed another field goal was that was that concerning to you? It's yeah, it's concerning. I mean, the guy is you, you at this point. Look, I like the fact that they went right back to him, and he and he made a a big kick later. You know, pretty soon thereafter. Although that one was a little bit of an adventure. The fact is, he's got to be at least a little bit shook. And as a Dolphins fan, and you can't tell me that Brian Flores isn't thinking the same thing. You know, last year, one of our biggest weapons was you get the ball anywhere near field goal range and you know you're coming away with three points. And now you got to feel shaky, even in reasonable field goal range. And, you know, honestly, that might be a like it's a bad thing in general, but it might end up being a good thing in the long run for this offense because it might make it might force their hand a little bit to not play for the field goal as much which I think would ultimately behoove them uh, to be a little bit more aggressive. But that said, game on the line 
and you, you've got like a 45 yard field goal this time last year, you'd feel supremely confident. And right now I think you'd probably say, Hey, it's a 50, 50 shot at best. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit concerning. I mean, it was a 52 yard field goal that he missed. So it's not certainly not a chip shot, but I mean, he was money on those last year and now he's not. So he certainly regressed last year and it's a little bit concerning. Uh, Hopefully this is a situation where he's going to straighten himself out. I think he's built up enough goodwill that the Dolphins, unless he like starts missing everything uh, that he's going to be back here next year. I mean, the Dolphins just signed him to a contract, so they've got him locked up, but uh, you know, it wouldn't surprise me. Maybe they bring somebody else in, in camp to, to take a look at him and see, see what's out there but it's a little bit concerning there anything else in this game brain again the defense continues to play well it's it's really the thing that it's the foundation uh, upon which this team's five game winning streak has been built you you're you're indicating that you've got something else to add yeah well and this is happening and this is every week right now it's very consistent over the, especially over this winning streak and that is the emergence of arguably the best third down receiving threat in the entire league right now. And that is Jalen Waddle. He continues to not just be a threat for the explosive. Honestly, at this point, he has become a better possession receiver than he has been a big play receiver. That's not to say that he doesn't have that in his repertoire. I think it's just you know, where we're at right now in the development of this offense and with the other pieces that are around him and the way we're using him. But that said, it is really nice to see that he has really become this team's OJ McDuffie. I mean, you've got a third down, you're going to Jalen Waddle and this is where, again, Tua needs to be credited is that even in those tight spots, Tua is putting it where it needs to be to allow Waddle an opportunity to make a tough catch. And Waddle is making the tough catch. I forget exactly what the stat was, but Waddle is near the top of the league in contested catch rate in catches uh, above expectation. Um, so that means he's making the tough catches and that's what you're, that's why you pick him. That's why you pick a quarterback at number six. Yes, you want the big plays and he's got that in his repertoire. We saw it last week. All you got to do is get him the ball in stride. He had an opportunity for one this week that just slipped through his fingers, but I think those are going to happen more and more and more. But the good thing is, is because of his floor, because of his ability to be such a reliable threat on these third downs and just in general in these tight spaces, it gives him a floor where you're looking at eight or nine catches like every single game where even if he doesn't break a big play, you're still looking at 80 yards. That's that's great production out of this wide receiver. And then, you know, he if he starts sprinkling in one or two big plays, all of a sudden you've got a top five receiver in the, in the national football league. And that's where we're at right now with Jalen Waddle. He is right on the precipice of being that type of receiver. We just need to, we need to have a little bit. We need to be a little bit more creative in the way we're getting the ball in space. We need to block a lot better and we probably need some other weapons around him, uh, to kind of open up a little bit more room for him. It would well, be nice t- to have that deep threat that we were supposed to have that we spent what nine million dollars on for $10 million. one season. Yeah. How much? 
Ten million dollars. Ten million dollars on uh, Will Fuller for a game and a half. Yeah, that's that's our big production from. Well, listen, Jalen Waddle, eighty six receptions thus far this year. There is one man in the National Football League with more receptions than that. Now, granted, there are also two men who are tied with Jalen Waddle in receptions on the year: Tyreek Hill and Keenan Allen. The one man in the NFL with more receptions than Jalen Waddle this season is Cooper Cup, who's caught 100 passes so far. But Jalen Waddle, with his 86 receptions, is ahead of guys like Chris Godwin, Devontae Adams, Justin Jefferson, Deontay Johnson. You know, he's he is basically a number one receiver at this point, and he's putting up very productive numbers that you just love to see. So, uh, yeah, I'm loving that connection between Waddle and Tua. Tua also found Devontae Parker this week. It was really nice to see Devontae Parker back there, and I thought Tua did actually a really nice job on a couple of occasions of putting balls exactly where he needed to, where Devontae Parker could use his big body to go up and make the catch, make that contested catch. That was really nice to see. Uh, I thought Tua also had a couple of nice passes in this game to Mike Kosicki, who continues to be a valuable weapon for this team when it comes to the receiving game. So, you know, there. I, I love the combination of Waddle and Gasicki. That's really great. Adding Parker into the mix is really nice too. Um, although Parker is a guy again who I feel like I would not be surprised at all if the Dolphins ended up moving in the offseason. But it was certainly nice to see him back in there and the Dolphins taking advantage of his size at the receiver position in this game. So. I think, again, that's just going to put a button on this one. The defense, again, did a great job holding the Giants to only nine points, only three field goal attempts. Xavier Howard with yet another interception. Uh, He just continues to be the ball hawk out there. It was really great to see that. And, uh, yeah, so the Dolphins move on into their bye with a 6-7 and record. They'll go into the bye, and they're going to come out of the bye with a home game against the New York Jets, the very same New York Jets that they just beat a couple of weeks ago. And so that has a lot of people excitedly talking about, can the Dolphins make a playoff run? And we're going to take a look at what all of the mess in front of them looks like in the context of all the other teams. But first, a very important message from our friends at Manscaped, because ho, 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 gentlemen. The holidays came early at Manscaped, the leading men's hygiene brand. Manscaped just launched new products, including their all-new ultra-premium body wash and two-in-one shampoo and conditioner. It's time to give yourself or someone who needs it the gift of beautiful skin, hair, and balls this holiday season. Go to manscaped.com and use the promo code Talk for 20% off and free shipping It's time to leave your significant other some cookies and milk at the bottom of your chimney. I am talking about the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. Inside the Performance Package 4.0, you'll find the signature Lawn Mower 4.0. This electric trimmer has the proprietary advanced skin-safe technology to to reduce cuts on your nuts. It's also waterproof, so you can use it in the shower. It's like a gift to your partner with less mess. The Manscaped Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant, moisturizer, and toner. So it's time to keep your North Pole 
feeling and smelling fresh. The Hygiene Bundle will also come with a pair of Manscaped anti-chafing boxers that'll keep your junk feeling fresh all day. It is the perfect package for your perfect package. Manscaped is also going beyond the groin with their new Ultra Premium Body Wash. It's infused with aloe vera and sea salt to keep your skin feeling clean, nice, and moisturized. They also just launched their new 2-in-1 Shampoo and Conditioner, which has key ingredients with benefits that include hydrating, nourishing, conditioning the scalp, and strengthening your hair at the same time. Tis the season to load up on Manscaped products, so get yourself, your dad, your brother, and friends the best gift of all, the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code DOLPHINSTALK at manscaped.com. Again, get 20% off and free shipping with the code DOLPHINSTALK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the promo code Dolphins Talk. Clean up your nuts and make Santa proud this year. All right, Brain. Let's take a look at the playoff picture in the AFC. And listen, I I get it, right? I I understand. I, we you know we kept we even talked about last week. When will you get excited about the possibility of playoffs? Remember, we talked about this last week on the on, on the show in the Giants preview. When are we going to allow ourselves to get excited about the possibility of the playoffs? Right. Well, I found myself now getting a little, getting a little, I'm buzzing a little bit here. I don't know that I'm excited about the possibility, but it's certainly nice to be in a situation where the Dolphins are playing meaningful football, if nothing else, right? So here's the deal. Currently in the AFC, you've got the New England Patriots currently, as of Monday night, as we're recording, it's quarter after 9 p.m., the Buffalo Bills uh, trail the New England Patriots 11 to 7 in the second quarter of that game. So New England currently the head of the AFC East at 8 and 4, then you've got the Tennessee Titans at 8 and 4, Baltimore Ravens at 8 and 4 and Kansas City Chiefs at 8 and 4. Those are your current division leaders and you've got the Buffalo Bills at 7 and 4, LA Chargers at 7 and 5 and Cincinnati Bengals at 7 and 5. Those are your wild card teams. What we know for a fact is if Buffalo turns this around and beats the Patriots, they would then go to the top of the AFC East at 8 and 4 and then the Patriots would be 8 and 5 in the wild card spot unless this game somehow ends in a tie. It's currently 11 to 7. I don't foresee it ending in a tie. But I guess it's possible. Anyway, either way, the Dolphins are going to find themselves two games back in the loss column from all three wild card spots. Okay, that's what we know. Because Dolphins, obviously, at six and seven. But in front of them, they've got all of these teams with uh, four or five losses. So, obviously, the Ravens, Patriots, Titans, Chiefs, Bengals, Bills, Chargers. Then you have... The Broncos at six and six, the Raiders at six and six, the Colts at seven and six, the Steelers at six, five and one, and the Cleveland Browns at six and six. I kind of just want to take a look at the remaining schedules for these teams because basically what needs to happen is that every, all the Dolphins need multiple teams to end up at seven or more losses, right? And in the case of the Steelers, they need the Steelers to finish with fewer wins than than they do. And I think all, I, all of the playoff talk has to be predicated on the idea that the Dolphins are going to win out, right? Because if the Dolphins win out, that puts them at 10 and 7. It's realistic. I think if the Dolphins were to lose a game, right, 
I, I mean, the only game, first of all, 538 currently says if the Dolphins win the rest of their games this season, they're an 82% chance to make the playoffs if the Dolphins win out. But if they lose any of those games, the the percentage goes down to about 13 or few or less percent. And, and the, oh, the, the, the game that has the least impact on that would be if they were to lose that game to the Saints, because obviously it's a non-conference game. But even if they were to lose that game, their chance of making the playoffs go down to 13%. So, uh, you know, this is a situation where the Dolphins really just need to win out and any playoff conversation needs to be predicated on that first of all, right? So let's take a look at the divisions. And listen, the Ravens had a golden opportunity to help the Dolphins out by defeating the Steelers on Sunday. Uh, and they scored a big touchdown to potentially tie the game at the end. But rather than going for the tie, Jim Harbaugh decided to go for a two-point conversion and the win, which then failed when Lamar Jackson uh, overthrew Mark Andrews on the two-point conversion attempt, and the Ravens lost on the road to Pittsburgh, dropping their record to eight and four. So the Ravens are at eight and four. Their remaining schedule at Cleveland, then they get the Packers at home at Cincinnati, and then they close the season with the Rams and Steelers at home. I think if I was, let's take a look at the other teams in the AFC North. You have the Bengals at 7-5 and five, who still have to take on the 49ers at home next week. Then they travel to Denver to take on the Broncos. Then they've got the Ravens and Chiefs at home before traveling to Cleveland to close out the season. The Browns are 6-6 six and six currently. They have home games coming up against the Lions and Bengals before traveling to Vegas to take on the Raiders. And then after that to LA to take on the Chargers. Then the Browns I'm sorry, this is the Broncos. I'm reading you the Broncos' remaining schedule. My bad. Uh, the Steelers have at Minnesota, then they take on Tennessee, then they're at home uh, at Kansas City, then they take on Cleveland and go to Baltimore to close the season. The Browns at 6-6 six and six take on the Ravens, Raiders at Green Bay, at Pittsburgh, and then close the season at home against Cincinnati. So, I mean... What you're hoping here, I think, from the AFC North, from the Dolphins' perspective, looking at the AFC North, is you're hoping that the Ravens just decide that they're going to just take control of the division and win the rest of those games. And that between that, I think the Bengals, Steelers, and Browns will beat each other up to the point that the Dolphins have a door opened for them. So I hope that you are all taking notes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Because... All of that said, everything's going to change week to week. Um, it, but one thing is going to remain a constant, and that is that the Dolphins need to win. And that that is what it is. And I I think, look, it's 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 okay to look at it and say, hey, they're still alive. But I don't think that you should look at this and be significantly more excited than you were a couple of weeks ago. You know, when we beat the jets the the first time, because once we beat the Ravens and certainly once we beat the Panthers, I, the writing was on the wall that this team's going to get this in all likelihood to seven and seven. And then they're going to be in a spot where they're going to have three games against pretty good football teams to try to make the playoffs. And so it's great. They're winning the games that they're supposed to win. If they had won the games that they were supposed to win early in the season, they'd be in position to make the playoffs. 
They'd be right. sitting in all likelihood somewhere like eight and five right now. Maybe even maybe even nine and four, but I think eight and five probably. Like the the well, the one thing that get kind of gets lost in everything because everybody loves to do this, where they love to say, "Well, if this call would have gone our way, that's a win. If the, if the Dolphins would have made this call this way, then that's a win." And so we would have beaten the Jaguars, we would have beaten the Falcons. Um, you know, the Raiders game we got screwed, but nobody, everybody kind of glosses over the fact that. We were one yard away from from losing to the New England Patriots to start the season, if not for a miraculous strip by by Xavier Howard. Um, and that's just kind of the way things go. Close football games, they're a coin flip. And, it, you know, you'll you'll see this, you know, every year or so. There'll be a team that wins a bunch of these one possession games and people and, and the Dolphins have been that team. The last two times that the Dolphins have made the playoffs, the the Dolphins have been that team that wins close football games and people buy into, hey, they're a playoff team. They're really good. But the fact is, is they weren't really good. They were just a mediocre team that things kind of fell into place that year because they won a bunch of close football games, which by and large, look, to a certain extent, there is a skill behind it. You have to figure out ways to win games. But to another extent, is also largely luck. And and that's just where it is, is that the Dolphins, have they been unlucky for a few games? And has that had a negative impact on their season? Yes. But if they were a really good football team, that would have mitigated those factors. And the fact is, is that until this team really beats, look, the, the Ravens win aside because, look, they should be commended for what they did against that Ravens team. And the, the Carolina game was was pretty impressive the way that they beat them. So the, the team is looking better. But I'm not going to get excited until this team beats a legitimately good football team again. Uh, with the, with the season on the line. So I think the road game against the Saints, even though the Saints are not playing great football right now, to go in on a Monday night into New Orleans, if they were to win that, first off, you got to beat the Jets. <laughs> but like, if they, if they won that game and they set up the game against the Titans, at that point, that's where they've got my attention. And I'm probably a little bit excited. But I'm not going to get super excited right now. And I'm certainly not going to get overly excited when they beat the Jets, even though it's great to beat the Jets. This team still has to to do a little bit more to get us to the point of where it's okay to be. I mean, at the end of the day, you do what you want. Be as excited. I'm not going to tell you how to fan. Like, if you want to be excited, be excited. But as, you know, Angry Al here in the chat on YouTube mentioned a little bit ago, like, yeah, we've had a lot to be optimistic about over the last 20 years. There's no reason for us to be optimistic about the Dolphins finding a way to win the last four games of the season after they've already won five in a row. In all likelihood, even if they, even if we didn't have 20 years of baggage and trauma as Dolphins fans, it would be very unlikely for them to win out. The fact that we've seen this over the last 20 years makes it downright almost impossible to believe that they're going to win out and make the playoffs. So if you want to get excited, get excited. I'm not there. Yeah, I understand that. I understand that. But, you know, like I said, there's a lot that needs to happen in front of the Dolphins in addition to them winning everything, winning every game that 
makes you go, I don't know how feasible this even is. You know, but uh, you mentioned the Saints game, and that remind that reminds me of an incredible piece of trivia that I that I saw today, and I just I need to share it on the show because it's so good. It's so good. All right, it's a here's the pop quiz trivia question. You ready? What do Walter Payton, Ladanian Tomlinson, Marcus Allen, Keith Byers? There's the Dolphin tie-in. Greg Pruitt and Antoine Randall L all have in common. Did they all throw a touchdown pass? They did, but that's that's not the answer really? to the question. <laughs> was, that, was that actually the correct answer? Yeah. The correct answer is that each of those players has at least as many career touchdown passes as current Saints starting quarterback Taysom Hill. Oh, okay. Wow. I was right. Pretty good. Pretty good. That's why you, that's why they call you the brain. So, so there I probably we probably don't guess into- that if it's not for Antoine Randall L to be perfectly. Honest. <laughs> so, so here we are. The Dolphins need to win out and maybe they'll get maybe they'll get some luck, maybe they'll get some assists. Th- these teams in the AFC West will beat each other up. What the Dolphins yeah, I guess what you, what you really need is that the teams, that one team, whether it's the Chiefs and the Ravens, that one team from the AFC North and the AFC West separates themselves from the rest of their division and just goes and says, this is our division and we're going to win it. And then the other teams beat each other up and keep losing those games. And then my the other thing that I'm looking for is I'm really hoping that maybe the Tennessee Titans can start to fade a little bit and the Indianapolis Colts can weasel their way in to the AFC South title because one thing that the Dolphins don't want to do is end up being tied with the Raiders or the Colts because they've lost to both of those teams already. And I I mean, if you're a Dolphin fan, if you're a Dolphin fan right now, you should be cheering like hell for the Buffalo Bills to turn this game around against New England and to go on to win this division because you also don't want to be in a situation where you're in a tiebreaker with the Buffalo Bills for a wild card spot. So you really want the Bills to win the AFC East and you want the Chiefs and Ravens to sort of take control of their divisions. And then, I mean, listen, the Colts are at six losses already. And so, you know, they're they're there or thereabouts. The thing is that the of all the teams in the AFC in the AFC right now, the Colts are among the, the hottest teams in the AFC East right now, just when you look at what they're doing week in and week out. So that's not to say that they're a perfect team by any stretch of the imagination, but it's certainly feasible that the that the Colts, when you look at when you look at their remaining schedule, what they're seven and six at the moment. The well, Colts the have the, Patri- the Colts have the the now the the thing the where it gets the crazy at home is it, at Arizona it, and then they have Vegas and the Jaguars left on the this thing schedule. where where it gets crazy and why it's just so crazy to to even look at this stuff this this far in advance is that while we can look at it and say well the Dolphins don't want to be tied with the Colts because the Colts beat them the fact is you could have one of these situations where you have multiple tiebreakers That's where true. you have you know a three way or a four way tie. And then all of a sudden, you know, like you could have Baltimore, Miami and and uh, Indianapolis all tied 
And then who wins that tiebreaker? I don't know. There's a million permutations that, that could happen uh, from now until the end of the season between conference record and, you know, who better re- best record or best combination of records like head to head. And that's what the Dolphins are going to need. So while it's it's not a bad call to think, hey, we want Tennessee to 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 fade and have the Colts win that division. And it's not out of the realm of possibility because Tennessee's already lost two in a row. They're not the same team without Derrick Henry. Ryan Tannehill is not the same quarterback when he doesn't have a really strong running game. Uh, so that, that doesn't mean that the Dolphins can't win or can't get into the playoffs if they tie with the Indianapolis Colts. It just means that they need another team that they beat to be tied with the Indianapolis Colts. Right. So... You know, among all of the other permutations that the Dolphins need to have play out, there's that one. So, look, it it comes back again to what we said before. Dolphins just need to win. Let's just win. Win all your games. And then we'll deal with the playoff situation will sort itself out. And if the Dolphins find themselves, listen, I'll, I'll say this. If the Dolphins find themselves at 10 and 7 and they miss the playoffs, you're furious because of the way the season started and that that cost them the opportunity to make the playoffs as bad as they played at the beginning of the season. That's one thing. But the other thing is, if they end the season on a nine-game winning streak, you know, you're feeling largely pretty good about a lot of things. Maybe, but the what that would remind me of is a season where the Dolphins started three and seven and won their last six games of the season and ended up missing the playoffs. Uh, and that was the last year that Nick Saban was the head coach of the Miami Dolphins. Or actually, no, it was Nick Saban. I'm sorry. It was Nick Saban's first year as the head coach of the Miami Dolphins. And all it did was it built up a bunch of excitement. Obviously, the Dolphins made a poor choice at quarterback in choosing Dante Culpepper over Drew Brees. But... Again, the, the the following year, in spite of all of that excitement, it proved to all be for naught, and the team proved to be largely mediocre or, or worse, and they disappointed that year. And look, the the rest is history. And the the fact is that if you go ten and seven and you miss the playoffs and you're furious about it, you should have been furious about it. You should have been, you should still be furious about it. And you should still know that in all likelihood, this team isn't making the playoffs and they're not going to make the playoffs because of those stupid losses earlier in the season. So we can feel good and you can get your, you can talk yourself up and be excited, but don't get pissed off when they lose to, to the Saints or to the Titans or God forbid they get to nine and seven and they've got a play in game to the playoffs against the Patriots and then they lose. Don't get furious and say that's what cost them the season because ultimately what cost them the season was losing to the Jaguars yep. and losing to the Falcons. Yep. Those two games that I mean, that that's really it. But, you know, so hopefully it doesn't come to that. But, hey, hey, we mentioned in the last show, is there a team that has been on a a seven-game losing streak and then turned it around? And uh, found a few examples of teams that had gone on big winning streaks after big losing streaks. But the the prime example was the 94 New York Giants, who started 3-0, then lost their next seven, and then finished the season winning their final six games. 
finishing with a 9-7 and seven record. So if the Dolphins win their next game, they will have equaled those streaks of a seven-game losing streak and then a six-game winning streak. So, so there it is. And, you know, listen, you got to feel good about the Dolphins' chances of winning that next game against the Jets. At home against the Jets? I'm oh. going to be at that game. And you're going to be there. Yeah. I don't know if I'll be live tweeting as much because it's going to be kind of a work outing. Um, so I'm, I've kind of have to do a little, uh, you know, conversing some networking. Yeah, you so got to probably not going to not going to do as much live tweeting as I typically do uh, for that game. But it's going to be fun to see them in person. Absolutely. It's, it's actually it, it's strange because it's been a, it's been a lot of years at this point since they did the renovations to that stadium. And it's honestly this is going to be my first time at the Hard Rock with the roof. Yeah. Or the canopy or whatever the hell. Yeah, I was thinking the last time that, I, the last Dolphins game I went to was the playoff game in 2008 against the Ravens that we went to together. And I think the last time that we were there was we were there for the WrestleMania that was in that stadium. I may have been in there after that. I that was, was, the last I was in I was there, there after that. But, uh, but I haven't been to a game since the... Uh, since the then since they put the roof on it and I've heard nothing but good things so I'm excited about it. Excellent. Well, you'll have to report back, but in the meantime we're going into the bye week so we may be taking some time away. You may not hear from us again for a little while, but then again maybe you will, maybe we'll pop in and and surprise you a little bit. But uh, there's going to be a lot of other great content coming your way from dolphinstalk.com so make sure you're heading to dolphinstalk.com each and every day because there will still be Miami Dolphins news and information. There will still be columns and there will still be other podcasts uh, from the great dolphinstalk.com podcast network. So make sure that you don't miss out. Head to DolphinsTalk.com each and every day. Download, rate, review, and subscribe to the same old Dolphin Show and the DolphinsTalk.com podcast on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, everywhere you get your podcast. We appreciate it very much. Make sure you're following us on social media. I'm at Amplified to Rock. He is at Aaron the Brain. The show is at Same Old Dolphins, and we appreciate each and every one of you. In the meantime, enjoy the bye week. Enjoy some stress-free football this Sunday. And we will catch you the next time we catch you. So until then, take care of yourselves and each other. And we will talk to you again next time. Bye-bye, everybody. Go Go Dolphins! Dolphins!